We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. This is Everly Isby connecting the dots here on Renegade Talk Radio. It's Wednesday, October 4th, 2017. I've been away a bit. You know, I had to take a personal hiatus to rejuvenate my soul. You know, when you're doing the work I'm doing for this show... Searching for the truth behind the spin, lies, and misdirection of what's happening on the world stage. Well, you know, it can get to you. It got to me. Uh, I felt I was losing my sense of humor and my smile along the way. I was taking it all too seriously. Life was just so serious out there. So, I went to the ocean for a couple of weeks and walked the beaches. I went uh, internal, as they say, so I could nourish my soul and get my smile back. It was a much-needed break, and I'm glad to be back. And I don't think it's a coincidence that my return coincides with the uh, recent mass shooting in Las Vegas. So I'm going to talk about what actually happened, actual evidence, as opposed to the official narrative, because they are suppressing the truth in the narrative of the lone gunman shooting from the 32nd floor of Mandalay Bay Hotel and Casino. So... Let's get into it. At the Harvest Music Festival in Las Vegas last Sunday, somewhere in the neighborhood of 58 are dead and multiple hundreds wounded, over 500 I've heard so far. The official narrative is that it was a lone gunman with, according to official accounts, 23 unspecified, they're not telling us that information, weapons in his hotel room, and 19 in his home, I believe, in Mesquite, Nevada. But seriously, how over the course of Dave, he was there, did he manage to lug up 23 weapons in bags and no one noticed the activity? Remember, this is a major hotel casino. Nothing goes on there that they don't know about. Suspicion number one. This whole situation has set off some alarm bells after looking at many videos from witnesses at the scene. It's a very mixed bag here, and a lot of things don't add up. So, let's get into it. Now, when you look at the picture of Stephen Paddock, he's a 64-year-old man who looks overweight, therefore most probably out of shape. The reason I bring this up is that when you're dealing with shooting a fully automatic rifle, it requires not only strength but skill to maintain control of it. I mean, accuracy isn't the greatest necessity when you're letting one of these babies rip, but you do need strength and stamina to control it. The kickback from an automatic rifle is major and continuous as long as you're firing that kind of weapon, even if it's on a tripod. Now, how likely is it that one older, overweight man with no serious background in gunmanship that we know of, who, according to his brother Eric, Stephen was, quote, not an avid gun guy at all. He has no military background or anything like that. He also said that he has no political affiliation, no religious affiliation, as far as he knew, unquote. So Stephen Paddock does not fit the pattern. Even the talking heads on the mainstream media are saying that. He doesn't fit the description of someone who would do something like this, let alone be able to pull it off, especially not without help. 
But while I haven't been following mainstream media in the last day or so, I would wager his character assassination has begun. I'll wager they'll say he's affiliated with some group, like Antifa or something like that. Mark my words. I'm speculating, of course, but bear with me. The lone gunman aspect is truly fishy right off the bat, in my opinion, and it gets even fishier as I go along. Okay, let's talk about his room on the 32nd floor. It was reported that it was a two-room suite. There were two windows that were broken out coming from those two rooms. I guess, I don't know, I guess he had a sledgehammer or something because windows in high-rise hotels and buildings in general are specifically designed to keep, you know, like suicidal people from being able to break them out so they can jump. I can't say for sure how easy or how hard it is to break those type of windows utilized in skyscrapers, but even if he did break them out, wouldn't people have noticed broken glass at the ground level? Or did he have a, like, a diamond cutter type equipment and, I don't know, like suction pads to pull it all in intact? Wow. Where do retired 64-year-old accountant acquire those skills, huh? But if you look at the picture of the two broken-out windows, more questions arise. The distance between the two broken windows, I counted nine to ten intact windows going around a corner of the building between the two broken ones. Gee, it must have been a really big suite. A 12-window suite possible, I guess. But no matter how you look at it, it suggests to me the likelihood of more than one shooter. And there is evidence that there was indeed more than one shooter involved, but I'll get to that in a moment. So when you look at those two broken out windows, you might notice also that there had been no return fire, as there were no bullet holes in any of those 10 or so windows on that floor. Now think about All those police snipers employed by Las Vegas Metropolitan Police and their affiliated response teams for situations just like this. Stun grenades and so forth. And no one was trying to take him out with sniper fire? Seriously? I mean, there is, of course, you know, the possibility that an innocent person within that floor area of the hotel might get hit in a sniper attempt to take the gunman out. But what is the stronger logic in a situation of this kind? An innocent person within the hotel may be hit, or the hundreds of innocent victims that were being shot at as machine gun fire was splaying into a crowd of thousands. Do the math on what would be worse there. Why were snipers not trying to take him or them out? No definitive statement has been made yet, about what kind of weapons Paddock had in his hotel room. That, though, is important in determining whether Paddock could, from a significant distance, inflict the reported destruction of life that occurred. The weapon you hear on the many myriads of videos taken by witnesses on the scene at the time of the incident was full-auto gunfire. Now, full-automatic weapons are almost impossible for civilians to acquire because of the extensive ATF documentation required, background checks, and extremely long wait periods approaching one year. 
Plus, they tend to cost like $25,000 or more a piece. It's probably then, probable then, I should say, that he would have had to access the black market. We still don't know much about Stephen Paddock. And I say we don't know much about the man, but the government certainly does. All they have to do is compile the vast data from all of his phone, email, and social media sites on the subject in question from the NSA, right? I mean, we're all in those databases, as you well know. Just something to keep in mind as we wait for more information about who Stephen Paddock really is. That is, if we get the real story. If this was a false flag, then we'll get false details. But here's some details of what happened that night. Now, this is an interesting detail. Numerous reports from witnesses who were on the scene reveal that nearly all of the exits at the Harvest Music Festival were blocked. One witness described the situation as, quote, being caught like a rat in a maze with numerous dead ends, unquote. Common practice in event management is you have personnel posted at or near exits to ensure that only concert goers go in or out, but you don't seal or block the exits in case of emergency, which is definitely what this became. Therefore, it effectively created a kill zone that potentially amplified the casualties. That there, right there, is against all kinds of codes and regulations. People out there that were part of this, if you were there, start suing. <laughs> According to reports, there were purported 59 dead and over 500 wounded. These are unthinkable numbers, approaching wartime casualty counts, if those numbers are true. And after watching some of the videos of people who happened to be in or around the scene, you know, like, um, I watched a taxi driver who happened to be pulling up at one of the Mandalay Bay's entrances to join the line of taxis. And she was hearing the automatic rifle fire and felt, you know, and you could hear as she's talking into her phone, she's saying she felt the natural urge to clear the area. And then after dispatch confirmed she should leave, she made her way off the property to the street. And at one point, she pointed her cell phone up to Mandalay's upper floors. For a brief moment, you can see muzzle fire coming from low down, which she guessed might be at like the 8th or 10th floor level. As she got to the strip and moved into traffic, you can see the fleeing crowds coming onto the strip, mostly jumping and crawling over the fences because the exits were blocked. In this taxi driver's video, a group of people ran up to her vehicle in total panic and fear for their lives. They were screaming at the top of their lungs, thousands are dead, everybody's dead, blah, blah. You know, they, it was just, they were, you know, it was understandable. They were totally giving a panicked assessment of the trauma that they had witnessed. So, yes, there were dead and wounded. But that doesn't mean it wasn't a false flag incident, Renegade Nation. You know, and a lot of people get confused about this term. It simply means that an event that is violent and traumatizing is done by different actors to create the event, and a patsy or patsies are set up to take the blame. A false flag is simply things that appear as they really aren't. 
These terror incidents are done for specific political and or special interest agendas, as you must know. But it's also clear from the coverage that this shockingly high body count would not have been possible if people had been free to flee the concert venue. Why were the exits blocked? Hmm. Plus, what is also interesting, I watched uh, quite a few videos by people at or around the event, and whether this is common practice or not, I'm not sure. But as the band performing at the time left the stage as the shooting began, the lights on stage were shut down. But a stream of bright white lights above the stage were turned on and into the crowd making them very visible for the shooters, like sitting ducks. Is this a standard procedure? You know, they, if a, the, the, when the show goes down, they put lights on for the crowd. Yeah, I can see that. Most probably that is the situation that happened. But in this one, it was a tragic error. The more I think about it, with all these strange occurrences surrounding this whole thing, the truth is being suppressed by media and official narrative. But there appears to have been some crisis actors on the scene as well that have been noted by various people. One was from Jason Strather. I'll have him in my links. Uh, you can watch his video and his slant on this whole thing along with other things that he talks about. But it show, he showed the picture of this one woman who was interviewed on camera at the scene. She was also in a camera interview at the Orlando, Florida nightclub shooter incident last year. And that has been shown to be a false flag event. Also, there was a rather large amount of mainstream media national news reporters in Vegas that night. Who's that a coinkydink? That was pointed out to me by a former network correspondent. As the plot thickens here, I'm going to take a break. This is Everly Isby. Connecting the dots. I'll be right back. Blunt. Do you like to be blunt? Absolutely. We don't sugarcoat shit. Listen, Listen Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 12 noon Pacific Standard Time. You'll hear things you've never heard before. Renegade Talk Radio. Hello again. This is Everly Isby connecting the dots. Let's get right back into this stuff. There's something else going on in Vegas at the same time. And this comes from a video that was sent to me. It's about a minute long that I want you to listen to. I will say that I checked out the government website that is referred to in this video, the Department of Homeland Security Training Consortium, but I couldn't find the Homeland Security reference to the scheduled conference being held in Vegas, which doesn't mean much in my opinion, because how easy is it to delete whatever you wish from a website that you don't want to be seen? I ask ya. But I also checked out the Las Vegas Convention Authority calendar, which lists all of the conventions, conferences, events, all of it, but to no avail. In fact, <laughs> it was curious that there were no conventions or conferences or events from September 25th of last month all the way through to October 2nd listed on their site. Suspicious, I tell ya. But listen to what he's reading from on that Homeland Security webpage that is no longer there. Uh, here we go. This comes from End Times, and the links are also there so you can listen to the whole thing if you want. But here is just what he says at the beginning. 
Good morning, folks. It's the 2nd of October, 2017. We rarely do two videos in one day, but this is incredible. Guess another show in Vegas, and it ain't the thunder from down under. FEMA. Guess what? FEMA, U.S. Department of Homeland Security Training Consortium, Exercise Intermediate Incident Command Systems. Starting today, four days ago, Members of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security began arriving in Las Vegas to set up a conference. And what was the conference for? Just in case they had a shooter. Yeah, yep. You know, when you see that kind of stuff, you realize what's going on. I don't know if those victims are real or not, and I don't want to take anything away from those people. But folks, when you realize the Department of Homeland Security is having an anti-terrorism drill and you see, uh, you see this kind of stuff going on, it's amazing. Okay. It is interesting, isn't it, that they would have a drill going on, a conference about what to do in case of a shooter in Las Vegas when the event actually occurs. This is old, old stuff. I mean, if you think of the other false flag, the major one that happened back in 2001, 9-11, what was going on at the time? Why they didn't have any fighter jets going to check those purported airlines that were going off their track and everything? They usually dispatch and do a, an eyeballing on that, and if they need to take a plane down, they do it. Well, they didn't show up, so the two towers were purportedly hit by these jets, these commercial airlines, and the Pentagon was hit. But not a single Air Force jet or Navy jet showed up before to, to stop the whole thing. Also, the, uh, in London, the uh, tube bombing some years back. At the same time, there was that training going on for just such an event of a bombing in the tube. And this goes on and on all the time. Okay, so apparently Homeland Security FEMA was there to uh, talk about what if there's a shooter. Hmm. So, now initial reports have dismissed the more-than-one-shooter idea. But multiple witnesses were openly reporting the presence of multiple shooters. Now, this could reasonably be the result of confusion and chaos and the echoing created from the weapons fire around buildings. But I listened to a video that compared the live shooting in Las Vegas with the sound made from a military-issue automatic rifle. And that's in my links. And, but when listening to it, it sounded basically identical to that of an M240B and M240 Bravo, which is military-grade issue. I was going to have you listen to the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Dispatch recording that I found, but it has been removed. I was checking on all the videos before I started the show, and surprise, 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 it was gone. So I'll just say that the police dispatch was advising all units that there may be a second shooter on the fourth floor. Also in this video is footage of rapid fire coming from that lower floor. I also saw footage from a taxi cab driver who was at Mandalay Bay. The footage begins as she's driving towards one of the entrances. I think she turned on her cell phone uh, video recorder 
uh, because she could already hear what she was saying to herself as she was alone in this taxi cab that she was saying, it sounds like gunfire. And so the footage begins as she's driving towards one of the entrances to join the taxi lineup, but she's already on guard, as I was saying. So at about the five-minute mark of the video, you might want to check that out on my links, it shows automatic weapon fire coming from that lower level of Mandalay Bay. And if you look closely, you will see the muzzle fire low down, like the fourth floor, as was stated in the police dispatch. Just pay close attention as you're watching and you'll see it. It's an interesting ride with this woman as she ends up picking up a group of fleeing, the group that was fleeing the concert. And they were hysterical after what they'd experienced. You know, they'd had to fling themselves over the fence and run into the street and they were, they were just out, they were out of their minds. Uh, this video clip lasts for over 18 minutes as she escorts these people around in their hysteria. But also, in the numerous live footage I watched, um, showed views towards the Mandalay Bay. Uh, it was hard to see kind of stuff because these people are <laughs> they're fleeing for their lives, but they're also shooting their, their cameras everywhere. Uh, but, you know, as they would show you Mandalay Bay across the Strip, I never saw any lights of fire coming from higher up, like the 32nd floor, ever. Not to say that it didn't happen from there, but it does lead me down a path to potentially conclude that Mr. Paddock just might be being used as the patsy for this false flag. But either way, this footage of the fourth floor of Mandalay Bay Hotel proves that there was more than one shooter, so disinformation and lies are coming from official narrative. Big surprise, right? But that would lead to the probability that the evidence found in his hotel room is perhaps planted, and as usual, Stephen Paddock was already dead when police breached his room, and a dead man tells no tales, right? It always happens that way in these terrorist incidents around the world. The perpetrators or the perpetrator is always killed, usually at the scene, so we never hear another perspective. And therefore, any further evidence that they have found in his home, in Mesquite, Nevada, or elsewhere, or any information about his character, is also suspect. How can you trust a narrative that isn't coming forth immediately with the truth? So was this shooting in Las Vegas a false flag? Well, for me, at this time, I would have to be inclined to believe so. A political agenda was already in play the very next morning. People like Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi and other politicians were immediately jumped on the bandwagon for calling for investigations and Senate panels to discuss gun violence in America. This will certainly be another attack on the Second Amendment. And I can already see that the idea of the necessity for metal detection devices in hotels and further bag searches will most definitely start coming into play. The police state of the transportation systems will now flow into hotel check-in. Privacy will be further eroded and as an example set in Las Vegas will further the agenda for a bigger and better police state. Yay! Oh, God. Here's one more thing to think about. These were mostly white country music fans 
American country music is predominantly white fans. Lots of urban and rural cowboys and farmers were present that night. The outdoor concert venue was surrounded by fences and blocked exits. It is literally a reference to cattle or sheep being slaughtered in a pen. Not a pleasant thing to refer to, I know. But in this false flag scenario, it does lead one to contemplate their target group and the statement they are making confirms that they think of us as livestock. Just mull that one over for a bit. And you know what's also interesting that I think may very well relate to this incident? It's a trend currently going on. Stephen Paddock reportedly is a fairly well-to-do white male. How affluent? I don't know. I have no idea. It's not the point. The point is that white males are a specific target group these days. And when I come back, I'm going to talk into this subject because, well, most people I know are just like scratching their heads and saying, I don't know what, what, what these politicians and even people on the street are saying these days. It just doesn't make any sense where they're coming from. It's like people are going off their rocker. Well, I wholeheartedly agree there. This is Everly Isby, (laughs) Everly Isby connecting the dots, and this is Renegade Talk Radio. I'll be right back. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. This is Everly Isby connecting the dots, and uh, we're talking about the Las Vegas shooting this last Sunday. And, you know, there's something... There's some stuff behind it. You know, I was bringing up the whole idea of the current meme of of blaming the white male um, for everything. Because it's an often chanted cry from certain politically affiliated groups, and those who align with them are either politically funded or supported by non-governmental organizations, NGOs, run by the likes of the George Soros types running around free on this planet and insinuating this meme constantly. It has infected the school systems we entrust to educate our young from grade school on through college or university. This education, this educational system, if public, has often embracing policies Uh, from the International Body of the United Nations. Officials elected by no one. The Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030 programs. Now, many of these NGO groups have tons of money, influence, and despicable tricks, and they are politically ruining countries, overthrowing governments, destroying cultures and economies around the world for personal political agendas and special interests. And one of these agendas revolving around this consistent meme, let's hate, humiliate, insult, and, well, you know, well, I've also heard, let's kill off the privileged white males. That's the answer to all the problems we face in this world. It's those privileged white males. And, you know, on some level, it's kind of a weird level, but I kind of get where they're probably coming from, in my own way, from the research I've done about the history of how we got to where we are today. There is a valid point in there uh, somewhere, but most people get confused as to what the privileged white male actually is. And in the end, they ain't necessarily all white. 
but they point fingers at any white male they see with disgust and indignation. And it doesn't make sense. But so many people seem somehow so, I don't know, disconnected. The rationality is gone. The critical thinking skills are gone from any sense of any sense at all. They're just, I don't know where they're coming from. But the racist card is being utilized once again. I brought this new twist to the targeting of white people up with others, you know, in conversations. Not all white people either, and they all nod their head. You know, I was talking to a friend just yesterday, and I brought up the subject, and he said, well, thank you for saying that. It's true. And he's black. Now, this racist trend is not happening happening organically. It's not from the ground up. It's not the people. It's coming from the political and non-governmental organizations that are funded by these special interest groups who are using brainwashing techniques and tactics to twist susceptible minds into this warped thinking. It's not anything new, of course. I mean, it's historically how those in power get us to point our fingers at each other instead of at them. Because the powers that be have consistently, over a very long time in history, proven their total ineptitude at running the planet. So, they devise ways to deflect from themselves in a divide-and-conquer agenda to make us fight amongst ourselves. So, in the end, you know, it's not about race at all. It doesn't matter what your color is, your race, your religion, or even your politics. In the end, it's about bloodlines. Those who are of a specific bloodlines and families, they are at the root of the world's ails because they have been in the control seats for thousands of years in their own selfish interests. The families of the Western world are predominantly white, and they've been running roughshod for centuries all over the planet. But the ruling families in toto are international in nature and of all colors and races, but they have something in common, and that is their specific bloodlines. The race card is their convenient tool to manage and control those not of the bloodlines so that they can continue their rape, pillage, and plunder. They are arrogant and greedy enough to think they can own the planet. That may be far-reaching, you think, but new. And I'll talk about this in later shows. That is on the agenda. And if they have to murder in extremely large numbers, it doesn't phase them at all. It's just another tool to accomplish world domination and control. I'll prove it to you as I go along in later shows, as I said. But this is what is going on today. Now, the underlings in their organizations are the people of power and influence throughout the corporate, banking, governmental, intelligence, and military-industrial complex. You think you elect your representatives into office? (laughs) No one gets in that isn't already okayed to accomplish some bloodline agenda or other. Is Everly off her rocker? Well, I've done my research. Have you? One last thing. This is from Jordan Sather, talking to what's behind this false flag. It's a very thought-provoking, and it's a confirmation of the elites, as they're called, created this terrorism, this terrorist incident, to play out the way it did and when it did. 
So let's listen to Jordan Sazer. I'm also including it in my link so you can listen to the whole thing. But here he is addressing this issue. And lastly, I want to talk about the astrological component of this. Because, you know, as I believe JP Morgan said, millionaires don't use astrology, billionaires do. So these wealthy deep state occultists, you might not understand all the astrological uh, parameters or, or why they may do things, but it's a very esoteric science, literally is a science. You know, and I, and I don't know too much about astrology in particular, but somebody who does sent me a message and they made a point that right now, Saturn is at 22 degrees in the zodiac. Saturn just happens to be at 22 degrees of Sagittarius. Saturn, which these deep states pray to, right? That's their, their god that represents their beloved Satan figure. So we have Saturn which is at 22 degrees in the zodiac. 22 degrees is known as the assassin's degree. Pretty big assassination right there. And Sagittarius, which is the zodiac sign of an archer shooting from a distance. So very important dots to connect. And of course too, this festival that the shooting occurred at was called the Harvest Festival. So we had Saturn, the occultist god at the degree known as the assassin's degree 22 degrees and saturn is at 22 degrees of sagittarius which is the archer shooting from a distance look at all of that occult reference right there i mean it's just blatant and with it being a harvest festival we know the deep state love human sacrifice when these portals open up so boom there's a bunch of shit that just sets off the <laughs> false flag red flags right there so Yes. Thank you, Jordan Sather. It's important detail to flesh out for our understanding, don't you think? And that's the truth of the matter for all of us worldwide, my friends. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Everyone refers to that thing in Washington, D.C. as our government. It is not. Nor are the governments of the majority of the world's countries governments. No. They're incorporated. A legitimate government is not incorporated. When you incorporate, your primary goal is profits. An unincorporated government isn't seeking profits. They're following their mandates to ensure the efficient running of things for the people within that country that are dictating to the government. And I'll say one more thing before closing to give credence to why these terrorist incidents are happening. The United States Incorporated is in Chapter 7 Bankruptcy Liquidation. It's under the control of international bankruptcy trustees, secondary creditors, and bankers. Okay? So they're desperate for money to try to pay off the secondary creditors. The United States of America Incorporated is in Chapter 11 Bankruptcy Reorganization because U.S. Incorporated, their funding channel, is now in liquidation. They're desperate for money because not only are banks not no longer loaning to them any longer because they're all upside down, and countries like China and others are backing away from buying the U.S. debts like they used to. The U.S. Incorporated and the USA Incorporated need 
assets and resources like there's no tomorrow. They're desperate. This is also true of all the corporate governmental service corporations around the world. They are raising taxes like there's no tomorrow. You know that. The economies are falling apart. They wish to take all of the assets and resources of the world away from the people who actually own them for their own self-interested survival. You can look at the horrible event that just occurred in Las Vegas as part of an agenda to do just that. How? The Second Amendment of the Constitution, the right to bear arms, is part of it. Bottom line, it is the people's protection from government tyranny. It's hard to steal from someone, though, who's armed. They wish to confiscate and or severely limit our ability to protect what is ours so that they can steal whatever they can for their survival. Just watch how this rolls out and what they attempt to do. So mull that over, renegade nation, my friends. This is Everly Isby, connecting the dots. Thanks for listening here on Renegade Talk Radio. I'll be back very soon. <laughs>